Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is your main event, Mark's Podcast, brought to you by Belly Up Unhinged Radio Network Sports. I'm your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, or radio guy, Cat Dad, and while you enjoy me, I want you to also enjoy yourself. I am Troy, and with me as always is the main event collector and figure hunting warrior. He's the WCW watcher of classic wrestling, and the Jack to my Jerry Briscoe, he'll stretch ya. It's Greg. What's up, Greg? Oh, God, the Briscoes. I don't understand why people jerk off to them so much. I've watched one of their matches and it put me to sleep. I'm talking about the old Briscoes, not Mark and Jay. They were terrible, man. I don't understand why people jerk off to them so much. Well, here's the thing. They were great wrestlers. They were not great pro wrestlers, in my opinion. Like, actual, like, wrestling. Yeah, like, actual, like, amateur mat wrestling, whatever. Apparently, they were great. But that's all they did to like an actual pro wrestling crowd. Uh, no, and no, I'm not a guy who needs like flips and super kicks and everything else. I, I enjoy, you know, actual wrestling, but good Lord. Yeah. Like everybody goes on about how awesome, like Bruce Pritchard always goes on. Oh, the greatest matches I ever saw were between Dory Funk Jr. And uh, Jack Briscoe. I'm like, oh, there's another what? one that's overrated as hell. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the F are you seeing that I'm just, I'm not seeing. Like, they're boring. Like, I, yeah, they had, like, hour-long matches of, like, headlock, headlock, leg scissors. Like, good lord. Wrestled, wrestled. Yeah, right. Uh, and they're like, oh, it's not a rest hold because they're fighting through it the whole time. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. It's still a hold. Like, after a while, it's like, how That's long... the excuse you give for giving uh, mixed martial artists no points when they're on the ground when they're fighting out of takedown. Yeah. <laughs> well, my thing is, like, like, are you really entertained by that? Two two sweaty dudes just rolling around on the mat, grabbing each other's body parts for thirty minutes at a time. I mean, if that's your kind of thing, cool, whatever. It just, I'm not into it. But uh, we did have a lot of that back in this time period that we're talking about. Not necessarily on this show, but it happened a lot during this time. We're going back to 1983, ladies and gents. Uh, Thanksgiving. Way back oh yeah, and the we're actually going back to Thanksgiving, by the way. For this one, uh, it is the very first ever Starcade. Took place on in uh, 1983. It was the flair for the gold, and it was a it was a pretty pretty damn big event. Uh, I will say that uh, obviously WrestleMania culturally had a bigger impact on things, but I don't know. You and I both, I think, agreed that WrestleMania one was pretty rough to sit through. No, I mean no, but yeah, I. Culturally, and at the time, that was something, you know? Uh, so I'm trying to put myself back in that headspace because this was a little tough to sit through at times as well. Uh, 
I felt we're, like yeah, we're some... getting we're getting some letters right from this opening alone. You know that. Oh, right? I know all the all the cult of cornet members will start sending it. Well, actually, <laughs> Jim Cornette said that this was amazing and groundbreaking. Like, yeah, cool. And I know in the history of of wrestling, this had a uh, a big, uh, you know, this this was a big thing. I I get it. But I mean, looking back on it, some things during this time were a little rough. Obviously, their production value was not very good, and we'll get into some of that. But yeah, man, uh, it was still fun to watch, and I feel like I had uh, a few pretty decent matches on it. Uh, as I had mentioned... Uh, two for sure. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned before we started recording, uh, the Observer wasn't... I don't think it was a thing during this time, or it was just getting started. So uh, I have... Uh, the good old days. Yeah, I, wasn't right. even, I wasn't even a thing yet, but okay. <laughs> right. Actually, wait. Hold on. Uh, I was born in March. This was what November? Actually, yeah. I was technically alive. Okay. Yeah. So you were just getting started, and uh, <laughs> so wait a minute. So I think the Observer started like very shortly after this. So does that what mean that like w- when you came along, it was like the starting gun, like for for Uncle Dave and his nonsense? You okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, gotta blame somebody, right? But anyway, what? <laughs> now what is because you didn't piss on Uncle Dave, all right? I kick, I kick myself every day for that, though. I'm punishing myself. I don't need you to do it. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, uh, we got a little bit of news and notes to get to, but I really do want to talk more about the, the event itself. Uh, not a ton of news and notes to get to today, but there are some pretty big stories that we do have to cover. Uh, but before we do that, We're going to pause right quick to let you know that the main event, Marks, is sponsored by Swift Lifestyles. They're clean energy drinks and focus enhancers, great-tasting vitamins, and big brain nootropics that are made and shipped from the USA. Go to SwiftLifestyles.com and use our special promo code, MAINEVENTMARKS. That is all one word to get 15% off your order. It's MAINEVENTMARKS, all one word for 15% off your order. And now that we're done with that, we're going to take our first break. On the other end of this, we're going to get into all the news and notes from November of Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, 
the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan McCarthy, and I'm the host of the No Credentials Required podcast. Start your work week with the Monday Drop-In, where I talk about the sports beat in the Capital District, also known as the Mighty 518, as well as Metro New York sports from an upstate point of view. I also give a life lesson from a weekly sports story, so you might learn something from that. I also have a midweek podcast where I interview different sports personalities and talk about a wide array of topics. Take a listen and subscribe on your preferred podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Also, check out our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram, BellyUpNCR, and Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR. We're a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. No credentials required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on youtube find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks <laughs> and we're back we're back just to let you know the main event marks is sponsored by shocked energy shocked energy is a healthier alternative to traditional energy drinks it gives the energy that gamers need while in a long session without skimping on their health their products come in a powder form to mix into your water. You can either choose the green apple or watermelon boxes. If you want to try both, you can get the sample kit. Use our link in the podcast description or simply go to shockedenergy.com. At checkout, use our promo code main event. That's all one word to save 10% off your order. That's promo code main event to save 10% at checkout. Also, if you're tuning into a wrestling podcast to hear about wrestling and you want it gimmick and politic free, you probably want the same out of your products. Are you ready to ditch the gimmick coffee? Coffee Brand Coffee is fresh roasted to order using only the highest quality coffee sourced direct from farms around the world. They've got bagged coffee as well as K-Cups. Not into coffee? Well, they've got great teas and cocos as well. At Coffee Brand Coffee, their head coffee roasters have mastered the art of unlocking flavors hidden inside their beans. Each batch is custom crafted and curated to accompany unique flavor profiles. Click on the link in the podcast description or go to coffeebrandcoffee.com and use our special promo code main event, all one word, at checkout to get 5% off your order. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com and use the promo code main event to save 5% at checkout. It's news and notes time. Yeah, I opened the bottle, you opened the can. This was a bottle, too. <laughs> oh, uh, what, so it was a pot. Snapple? Uh, no, it's a Pete's blended coffee. It's a bottle, obviously. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, if you guys want to sponsor a professional podcast, look elsewhere. But if you want to sponsor a lowbrow one, we're, we're ready. Take it. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I'm drinking the limited edition Sprite Winter Spiced Cranberry. I have to get that every Hell? single year. That's a yeah. thing? Yeah, they put it out every single Christmas. I'm today's years old. Maybe. Uh, Maybe I've any... seen it and I don't know it. I don't know. Ron James used to advertise it. it years ago. 
But uh, yeah, well, hey, I don't think they have any Hanukkah flavors out there. But uh, yeah, <laughs> if I, yeah, I don't Hanukkah know what Christmas run hand in hand this year, so they should do something. Yeah, right. Well, I don't know what a Hanukkah flavor would be though. Kugel. That's my thing. Oh, good lord, <laughs> I've never hey, had Kugel's Kugel. Great. You shut your mouth. Really? You told me before you had it, and, and well, what uh, I you, said you, was certain like, people Ugh. don't make it right. The person I that I went with had it. Oh, okay. Or made it good. Um. Well, hey, last year I made uh, uh, latkes and uh, uh, what, what's the soup? Matzo ball soup. Matzo ball soup. That's, uh, that's pretty damn good. I'll, I'll say that. But mine came out of a... You go to the right Jewish box. family. <laughs> you go to the right Jewish family. You can eat good during Hanukkah. Trust me. Yeah. Well... It's got to be yeah. like an older woman, though. That's the rule. Is it kind of funny that as Christians we eat ham on Christmas generally? And <laughs> Jews don't eat ham? I don't know. <laughs> get too far in the weeds on that one but anyway i don't i don't i don't know all religions and how they work i just try to respect them all and hey to each his own i know jews can't eat ham i i know that that's one that's one thing well hold uh, on orthodox no i, I know i know a jewish person who just doesn't follow any of the dietary restrictions <laughs> well practicing jews can't eat yeah exactly <laughs> That's that was always that was a joke from uh, Jim Gaffigan. He talked about when you're when you're in like lines for religions they're going through. It's like, oh, no, no murder. OK, uh, you know, respect the Sabbath. OK, uh, uh, no bacon. Uh, I think I'm in the wrong line. <laughs> you watch Big Bang Theory? Yeah, there was an episode yeah. where Howard ordered like a, a BLT sandwich and some milk and Sheldon's like, ah, oh, uh, destroying two Jewish dietary restrictions. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I always like that. He would always get ham on his sandwiches and stuff, and they'd give him crap about it. But uh, anyway, getting into this first story here, this is actually like uh, after the fact we found out about a lot of this. It was kind of a big story that multiple people have backed up, so I'm going to assume it's true. Vince himself has never talked about this, but other people involved in the story have talked about it at length. So I'm just going to take it and go with it. All right, hit me with it already. (laughs) Sorry. Well... (laughs) A few days before Starcade 83, Vince McMahon invited NWA world champion Harley Race to New York for dinner. It didn't take long for McMahon to cut to the chase. He wanted Harley Race to skip Starcade and bring the NWA belt with him to the WWF. If he did this, Harley would be paid handsomely, with Vince offering him $250,000, an amount close to $750,000 today. I like that. So at the, oh, he offered him a quarter of a million dollars, which is three quarters of a million dollars in today's money. <laughs> Real quick, uh, he called him handsome. They said handsomely, didn't they call him handsome Harley Race? Uh, at one point, yeah. Oh, was that a pun? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Race was exhausted by the NWA schedule and was on the brink of losing five hundred thousand dollars in an investment in Heart of American Wrestling. I don't ask you what that is. I don't know. Uh, I think was, Batista trained there, if I remember correctly. Uh, that was well. That that was Heartland Wrestling okay, Association. That was that. That was oh, actually in Cincinnati, was... right? Yeah, that's what confused me at first too. Heartland Wrestling Association was in Cincinnati, Ohio, for a while. Uh, and uh, this, I think, Heart of American Wrestling. I'm going to say that's the St. Louis territory, maybe, because that's where Harley was from. But anyway, uh, he was also reluctant to put over Ric Flair at the time. Uncle Dave Meltzer has theorized that the plan would have been for Race to lose the belt to the new top star Hulk Hogan in a title unification match 
with the WWF World's Heavyweight Championship. Uh, McMahon wow. want that would have been. I'm just thinking like big. what that would have done. Yeah, right. Like that's. Well, hold on, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Hogan's not even champion yet. Yeah, no, not yet. They're talking about like in the future, building up to it, whatever. Okay. But either way, uh, McMahon wanted an immediate answer. Race expressed it through a unique medium, a bathroom mirror. While conversing, according to Race's uh, recommended autobiogra- autobiography, King of the Ring, the Harley Race story, Race mentioned uh, or motioned to the mirror before remarking, quote, I've got to look at that person when I wake up tomorrow, end quote. Vince understood, with Harley implying that he would be ashamed and regretful if he took Vince up on it. Jim Ross later explained, quote, Harley had given his word on that deal to put over flair. He'd invested all of these years and miles and hospital stays, stitches, blood, uh, blood, guts, and all that stuff for years in NWA. He wasn't going to do anything to slice it apart, end quote. At an NWA Legends Fan Fest convention held in Charlotte, North Carolina in 2009, race claimed, quote, I had too much respect for myself, not only for Rick and the wrestling business, but me personally to pull that, end quote. Wow. I could buy that. I mean, that that's kind of sleazy. If 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 all that is true, that's a pretty well, sleazy thing. <clears throat> he got player to come over with his belts in 1991. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it's true, but I'm just saying there's precedent that yeah. it's happened. So. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. Um, uh, well, and with um, with Flair, the bad thing about the, like the thing about that one, and I'm not excusing it necessarily, but I kind of am because Flair had to put up money for like a deposit on the belt, and then when he asked for it back upon you know being asked to drop it, he was told to go pound salt. So he's like, "Well, I paid for it. F you." I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Possession is nine tenths of the law. And he was out of his contract. He had no obligation to the NWA anymore. So this was literally Vince telling Harley, it's like, hey, uh, I know you got a contract, obligations, and their belt and everything, but uh, F that. Come over to the. Yeah, I, I know you got all that, but you also have a middle finger. <laughs> yeah, right. And what's funny about all this is okay. years later, supposedly, when the WWF tried to expand West. Harley got pissed, showed up at the show and put it and supposedly put a gun in uh, Hulk Hogan's gut I, in the bathroom. I don't think that's supposedly. I think Hogan said it. Harley Race said it. Oh, and I Harley think it Pat up? Patterson said it. I think so. Okay. I, I think mean, Pat Patterson look, also backed it up. So I'm a fan of Hulk Hogan, but I tend to take his stories with a grain of salt because they yeah, kind of right. kind of grow over time. No, I mean, and, to be fair, I don't think I don't know if he necessarily backed up the gun, but he did back up the confrontation. To be fair. Right. And, so yeah, there was I, a confrontation. Uh, from what I had heard, uh, he gets a gun in his stomach and he's like, well, brother, it's not me. It's Vince. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, he fair. said that gun didn't work for him and he didn't shoot him. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, look, that's kind of, you know, that I don't even think that's passing the buck. I mean, what the hell did Hulk Hogan have to do with the booking? You know, uh, it's just yeah. crazy to me, by the way, that's uh, in t- two years or so. Harley Race would be there. Right. So. Clearly, the conversation went somewhere, just not right away. Because he's at WrestleMania right. 3. I don't know exactly when he comes in, but he's at WrestleMania 3. He fulfilled his obligations with the NWA. He dropped the belt to, to the new big, next big thing, whatever. And, I mean, not That's kind of crazy it, to hear, like, thinking, like, nowadays. I know, right? 
the old young buck up and comer Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah, right. It's kind of nuts, but oh man, someone's gonna give me crap for saying young buck. It's a saying, people. It was a thing before 2010. Right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, uh, Rick wasn't pulling super kicks and telling people to suck it. So, <laughs> ironically, though, he would in 2007. Well, well, on an episode of Raw, it wasn't on <laughs> so, air, but I guarantee he was telling people to suck it. But yeah, all right. well, we won't get into that. Go watch the Dark Side <laughs> of the Ring. Great show. Oh, good <laughs> lord! Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that part of it, but yeah, that is correct. Either way, yeah. So, if you hear Flair talk about this, though, this was like his first world title win. He says he wasn't really feeling it. He said he didn't really. Feel feel it until like his second world title win over uh dusty roads he said this run was kind of forgettable he said he didn't he, he said himself he doesn't really remember much of it because it wasn't important. oh well <laughs> yeah i know it's like ah, i wonder why if that was uh you know if that's because it was forgettable or because you were on various uh you know liquid uh, substances but either way yeah he he says you know, he didn't really care about that first run. He said it was cool to be the champ, but he said, you know, by the time he was the champion the second time, he really felt like the champion, and he actually did stuff that meant a damn thing to him. But I feel like someone yeah. else with a mini title reign said that. Yeah. Because this was his first one forever. <laughs> All of his title reigns were, like, forever, except, well, I mean, until later years, but yeah. Who said that? That's going to bother. Yeah, it might have been Brett. Was it Brett? Yeah. Mm, yeah, oh, I was think it? he said when he got at WrestleMania 10, when he started really feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he won the first one in October and lost it in April, so. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, so that was, the NWA was like up and down. I mean, until they sold off to Turner, and even there Billy for Corgan. a few years. Oh, huh? sorry. You meant to say Billy Corgan, right? <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but until they sold I'm in an Turner, excellent mood this morning. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and even after selling off the Turner for a few years there, it was kind of touch and go with a lot of things, you know, rotating bookers. I mean, if you. Yeah, we, old get a, get a Next year, we, gotta get a, we might have to get a bonus show on that. That might be a fun one. I was thinking about that. Write that yeah. down if you can. The yeah, WC sure. rotating bookers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, I mean. The NWA under Jim Crockett promotions was uh, it, it was it was something to behold, man. And there was a lot of uh, obviously they got shot in the foot a lot by Vince, you know, when they were trying to grow and do anything. But at the same time, I, I mean, they tried firing back and they could have they could have done yeah. something. I feel like people always go, oh, Vince is evil. For that. I mean, maybe he is. OK, business is business, though. But it's like, man, you sure weren't giving him much to beat. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and at the same time, one of the big criticisms were they were trying to be like WWF and they were trying to expand across the country, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, if they would have stayed in their lane and been like a regional promotion, they probably could have kept making a lot of money. They were still well, I mean, yeah, yeah. houses for years in various you, you can, areas. You can have plans, dude. It's just how you actually I have plans that have as much money as Bill Gates one day. That's not going to happen. <laughs> But, you know, I have the plan of that. You got to put it well, in action. Uh, well, well, when you look at, um, like, when they went to Chicago, they're like, oh, well, we're going to go to Chicago, even though it's 
I mean, it was AWA territory, but it was starting to become Vince's territory after a while. Like, they, they didn't do very well. And part of it was they go to Chicago and give them a bunch of screwed finishes. Oh, let's put uh, the LOD, you know, the, the quote-unquote hometown guys. Let's put the LOD on top and uh, have them lose. Yeah, because that'll, you know, that'll get over good. Whatever. Well, I mean, until, up until Vince was still there, they did that every Monday, whoever was from that city. Maybe it's a right yeah. thing in wrestling. Maybe Vince wasn't just, like, doing it for fun. Maybe it's just a thing. He wasn't the originator of it, no. But it's just, well, at the time when, the, when NWA was doing it, I was considered taboo, and everybody's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I mean, you don't always have to have the hometown person win, but when it's a big act and they're going for the belt, you don't book it in their hometown and then screw them over. That just doesn't, that doesn't go over well. Especially when it's like your first time in that territory. Like, if you've been consistently running and drawing crowds, whatever. But they weren't, so. To my uh, knowledge, Flair's never lost in Charlotte. (laughs) Uh, I just, I don't know. He he wrestled there five thousand times. I mean, so. like a big time match, though. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. You might be right on that one. I, I I'd have to go back and look. Uh, this one was pretty sad. Anybody that watched the like anybody old enough to remember like the old WWF and okay, you know, so we've the, already you just move on. No one listening. This show is gonna. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> This uh, this story, some people, I mean, even younger people may know who this guy is, you know, watching uh, old footage and whatnot. But on October 12th, so this is about a month and a half before the show, but it's a big enough story to cover. On October 12th, 1983, the Grand Wizard died of a heart attack at his Fort Lauderdale, Florida home at the age of 57. The sudden death of the Grand Wizard is acknowledged on the WWF's syndicated television program, a rare break from kayfabe and wrestling at the time. A storyline was arranged in the following weeks, speculating who would take over as on-screen manager of wrestlers who were paired with, uh, he was paired with on television. In 1995, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame class of that year by his friend and protege, Sergeant Slaughter. I didn't know it was that early when he passed. Yeah, 57, man. That's... That's horrible. Uh, there was another guy that took over called the Wizard, I think, uh, that dressed and acted like him. No, yeah, not Chris uh, Jericho. Uh, Chris Jericho. <laughs> no, uh, but apparently his whole gimmick was he said he's been communicating with the spirit of the Grand Wizard. Like, oh huh. lord. I mean, I, if he if he himself was a wizard, I mean, it's yeah, it's like if you're an actual stupid, wizard. <laughs> It's like, maybe. Buy it. It's something. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that at the time, that was a big loss. Because like I said, he was an active manager on TV. And he was a big part of a lot of storylines at the time. So, you know, this it was bigger than just, oh, he was a manager years ago and he was a big deal, whatever. Which, that's sad, too. But this was just like... One, he was not that old. Two, he was an active guy on TV. So it was like, whoa. And yeah, at the time, a lot of these kind of deaths and stuff weren't, you know, talked about very much on TV. So I don't know. Either way, uh, back in October, Tommy Rich. Somebody say something about fired up. Uh, fire. 
<laughs> defeated Buzz Sawyer in a bloody steel cage match in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, man, I bet that put the ass in the seats. <laughs> to, uh, to climax their 18-month feud. <laughs> I said climax. Uh, this event was dubbed the Last Battle of Atlanta. It was a precursor to the Hell in a Cell as the steel cage for the match had a top. Wasn't the War uh, Games a precursor to the Hell in a Cell? Uh, a bit, yeah. I, well, this predated War Games, so this was like the first time they ever put a top on a cage. And I don't know if this one went all right, like if it touched the floor or if it was hooked to the ring. I, I don't know. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about this. I've heard a lot of people also say it's extremely overrated. And by no. saying the names... By saying the names Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer, <laughs> I'm going to just say they're absolutely correct. Oh, man. I think it was on the network. I don't know if it's on Bacock. It might be, but I, I'm not 100% uh, positive. So it is not on Peacock. At least yeah. I can find. It might be under a different name. Yeah, if somebody else it's definitely tell not us. not under Last Battle of the Land, I can tell you that. Yeah, if somebody else could point us in the right direction, uh, then, you know. that. God help me, I want to see a t- uh, Wildfire Tommy Rich match. I just want to see how, how, like, how overrated this thing is. Or, I mean, I don't know, maybe it is good. Maybe it'll be the best damn Tommy Rich match I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, uh, that bar is pretty low. It is, I mean, it's kind of on the floor, but still. Uh, somebody say something about bloodied up. Anyway. Uh, last I saying I want to see the best Ron Garvin match. Uh, we're about to in, a, in about. A week, I, I, so. I know. I, I know. I'm looking forward to. It. I just, I just finished it. I thought I had. By the way, I didn't finish it. I did finish it now. And good lord. Yeah. How about that? I uh, was that literally playing also... God in my misery. But sorry. Move on. <laughs> that also. That's also a steel cage match. So there you go. Yeah. A salad steel cage. Anyway, uh, last story I got here. Actually, I told you this would be a short one. Uh, that's why we digressed so much, you know, talk about this stuff. But uh, WCCW Thanksgiving Star Wars was also held on November 24th. <laughs> uh, it took place at Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I, like several that. I like that. That's good. <laughs> uh, several matches from the show were taped for WCCW's television shows and broadcast in the weeks following the show. The show was the 10th overall show for the Wrestling Star Wars event chronology. Yeah, they had multiple events called Star Wars. How? How the hell did they get away with that? Hell if I know, man. I don't know what the copyright laws were at the time, but... Yeah. You try that now, dude. The mouse will just chop your head off and take your soul. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the show drew 18,500 spectators out of the approximate 21,000-seat capacity. The main event was Kerry Von Erich defeating Michael P.S. Hayes in a Loser Leaves Town steel cage match. Another steel cage. Uh, the very next month, by the way, jumping ahead, uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Buddy Roberts lost a no-disqualification Loser Leaves Town match to Kevin and Mike Von Erich in the same exact arena, they all stuck around, so the stipulation was meaningless unless they literally meant yeah. <laughs> they couldn't wrestle in Dallas anymore. You know, Loser Leaves Town is very vague. Like, for what, right. the night? Get the hell out of Dallas for tonight or for the week, for the month, forever? Yeah, well, that, that was a thing. I, I can't remember where Cornette said this happened, but it pissed a lot of people off where uh, 
they had a loser leaves town match in some territory. And like the guy was back the next week and he was like, well, we're in a different town. I left that last one. So he's like, I, I, I fulfilled the, you know, the stipulation. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah. Uh, we never got that. We never got the, the epic Vader, Mr. Feeney, loser leaves town match. They challenged him to a boy meets world. I never got to see that. I'm pretty ticked about that. Phoenix. Phoenix. <laughs> uh, well, he would have had backup from, uh, from, uh, you know, the whole gang, man. Uh, what yeah, was, little uh, Frankie, uh, little Frankie, just divorced them all. What was, uh, uh, what was Eric's name when he became like a, a recluse? Like, Dances with oh, squirrels uh, or something. Plays with squirrels. Plays with squirrels. There you go. <laughs> Mr. Feeney and plays with squirrels taking on Big Frankie and Little Frankie. <laughs> oh, <sighs> Lord. That would have fit <laughs> in here. <laughs> yep. Hey, man. Uh, if anybody has uh, Disney Plus, go back and watch Boy Meets World now. And if you're not and you have Disney Plus, what the hell is wrong with you? Go back and watch uh, Boy Meets World. I've now. Already, that was the first thing I binge watched when I got that uh, service. Oh, yeah, man. Followed by uh, the X-Men cartoon from the 90s. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. that that's a damn good one to binge watch, too. Uh, I not Spider-Man yet, but it's coming. But anyway, that does for the news and notes. Time to dive into the event at hand. Our first Starcade of the year, man. We'll do it on the other end of this break right here. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. By God, somebody's interrupting the main event marks. Sit down, JR. It's just me, Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, your host of here in Puckburg on the Hockey Podcast Network. I know a hockey show on the main event marks. Who would have thought this is an invasion angle? Somewhere between the Nexus and when WCW tried to invade WWE, you know, somewhere in there. But I'm over here just telling you that one half of your tag team champions over here, Greg, he told his story of his love for the game of hockey over on my show. And if you'd like to hear that story, all you have to do is search here in Puckburg, wherever you get your podcast, or on YouTube. In the meantime, Shagamania's got to go run wild on some other hockey show. So, just remember, quote the Raven, nevermore. Take your vitamins, say your prayers, and oh yeah! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Hey gang, it's Commissioner Cooper of TSS Fantasy. We are the fantasy show of the people. Expert fantasy advice, free contests, leading expert medical and legal analysis, and most importantly, you. Interact with us on all social media platforms or check us out at tssfantasy.com. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, 
iHeartRadio, and many more. Check out the fun today and be a part of the most interactive fantasy show around. TSS Fantasy, the fantasy show of the people. Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. It's NWA Starcade 1983 Flare for the Gold. The Flare for the Old. <laughs> Not quite yet. Uh, November 24th, 1983 was the date. The tagline was a flare for the gold, obviously. The venue was the Greensboro Coliseum Complex in Greensboro, North Carolina. North Carolina! The attendance was 15,447. And this was on closed circuit, so there's no pay-per-view buy rates. Uh, We get into the first match immediately. It is the Ass-Assens with Paul Jones in their corner, your favorite manager of mine. The uh, Paul Jones? The Paul Jones. Clean shaven Paul Jones. Uh, taking on Rufus R. Jones and Bugsy McGraw. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to just assume, if you don't know, white guys. <laughs> uh, Rufus was black. so <laughs> It's a joke, just the names. Yeah, uh, oh, well, of course. <laughs> yeah, without hearing or without seeing the guys, you think, well, either... That's that's why I said I'm gonna assume you don't know. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if these are this is like the most territory old school names I've ever effing heard. I also said I'm gonna go on a limb and say back then guys didn't choose their own names. There's no way in hell. Yikes! When I hear Bugsy McGraw, I think of like I don't know, like Yosemite Sam. <sighs> I feel like it's like a, a a rock star that had a few hits. So maybe not a star, like a rocker that had a few hits. Yeah, that was like, what the hell? But either way, this goes uh, eight minutes, 11 seconds. Way too long. The worst manager ever, Paul Jones, is wearing a white tuxedo with tails. I I, I lulled. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm like. What the hell? He was clean shaven and his hair all come. He looked like uh, he looked like. He was uh, the third member of the Dumb and Dumber crew. Uh, was he dumbest? No, I don't know. Lloyd and Paul. <laughs> I'm not feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you could tell right away which assassin was Jody Hamilton because he was, um, let's just say, stout. Uh, yeah, in the end. And he had those lips. You yeah. Couldn't, you couldn't distinguish. You couldn't miss. Not distinguish those. He looked yeah, like the right. uh, the principal in, in Billy Madison. Do you remember the the revolting blob? Yes. He looked like that with the mask on, like his <laughs> lips just popped, like he could French right. kiss a moose. <laughs> My God! In the end, assassin number two makes a blind tag to assassin number one, who comes in and schoolboy pins Bugsy to win. Backwards. Yeah. Uh, so. As I mentioned earlier, there's no observer, so there's no Uncle Dave ratings, but oh. uh, cagematch.net does have like a poll, bro, where like multiple, multiple people will vote on their ratings for a match and uh, they kind of make like one score. I think that's a little more fair. Uh, I added them all up. Cagematch.net, uh, about, I'm rounding here, gave it like 
uh, a star and three quarters. I gave it two stars. I keep in mind I'm grading on a curve for the time. What say you? So I want to know more about that curve, but I gave it one. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it was. Shut. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have yet to see anything from the assassins where I was like, oh man, that's some good stuff. They were a team to watch, man. Oh, they were a team to watch. It just depends on what you were watching for. Yeah. It was like, you had such generic, like, masked teams. The assassins. Like, they just wore, like, black and yellow masks and black bodies. Yeah. You got to figure those, like, the beginning of pro wrestling as we really know it. So this was, like, acceptable, I guess. I always liked uh, Dr. Jerry. I think it was Dr. Jerry. Graham? Yeah. Oh, I think that had it was some doctor. There were there was him and another one, I I, I want to say. But either way, they had it well, they had a tag team called the interns. And they were just it was kind of like the assassins, but they were all white. I'm gonna say Vince McMahon created that team. Too too soon? Uh, wow. Well, no, if he would have created that team, there would have been some lawsuits coming from them. But either way. Hey, Donald Trump. <laughs> what? One of them created the interns. Damn it! Yeah, uh, man. Well, well, if if Donald Trump had created the interns, they'd have been fired. Not living up to your end of the bargain, you're fired. Okay. Sinbad, <laughs> you win. <laughs> I just threw Sinbad out there because I think he was on a season of The Apprentice, and it was just it seemed like an obscure one. Anyway, Sinbad's funny as hell. You shut your mouth. He is. He's one of my, hey, he he's uh he was like my first favorite comedian growing up cuz you know, it's like one of the few comedians that uh, a kid can watch and not yeah, have to right. worry about. Like bad parents thinking about him when he wanted to be a comedian like they made him sit bad. Either that or a pirate. <laughs> wow. Want to watch Fresh Prince? No? Okay. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but we go back to Bob Cottle and Gordon Sully. Look, I, oh man, I just okay. Go ahead, because I know what you're going to say. I think gonna people are going to get here. people are going to get pissed at me for saying this, but like I have a soft spot in my heart for both of these men. But man, you put them together, yeah. like that's like <laughs> this looks like, like wrestling hour from the geriatric crew. <laughs> this is like at the old a, folks' home. <laughs> This is when your commentary team is a glass of milk next to an unbuttered piece of white bread toast. Wow. Oddly specific. It just is bland plus bland times bland. And I know people are going to get super mad at me. Oh, there you are. Legends. And you had Bob Cottle over there. Well, I got this voice made for radio, but I don't say anything of any importance. I just ask questions. And then you've got Gordon Sully, who chain smokes while he mentions he's going for another souple. <laughs> There's an the old video of, of Larry King doing his show while smoking a cigarette. I imagine <laughs> that Gordon Sully did that in like recording booths. Man, he didn't do a live probably, but yep. at least in recording booths for voiceovers. I imagine that. And I don't think I'm wrong. Excuse me for a moment. Uh, I'm going to pause my play by play so I can take another hit of Jack. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, it's kind of like if anybody, 
God. Well, we're on a super old show today, people. So the references are going to be super dated. If anybody knows who Edward R. Murrow is, uh, he was like one of the first like radio slash TV reporters ever. And he chain smoked like crazy. Yes, he died from cancer. Go figure. But on his television show, not before he saw Jesus rise. Personally. (laughs) Good Lord. Uh, But he would sit there on his television show in the studio, just lighting up cigarette after cigarette throughout the the entire damn thing. (sighs) But anyway, I feel like back then people didn't realize how bad chain smoking was for you. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you what's light up another lucky strike for Christmas? He gave me a pack of cigarettes and grabbed me by the collar and said, smoke up, Johnny. Life is short. <laughs> Bastard. Anyway, uh, they send it to a baby faced Tony Schiavone, ironically, in the baby face locker room. Good Lord, man. You look like you was 12 year old, 12 years old here. I know. Right. I'm like, damn. And then you see, I mean, obviously, it's like. 30 years or no 40 years like god uh it's almost 40 years later shut the hell up that means i'm getting to be 40 years old <laughs> not for a little while now but uh, well, i got uh, another year of 30s after this and there you go <laughs> <laughs> it's, whatever wrestlemania it is that's what i am and that's what yeah. sucks <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's just it, it's crazy to see he didn't have his blonde mullet yet thank god but you know stash I wonder if I wonder what kid he was up to at this point because he's got like a million kids. Yeah, right. Uh, Arn Anderson always said uh, that uh, Tony Schiavone could water or could uh, shampoo a water buffalo. So I don't know what the hell that means. Uh, well, let, let's just say something inside of him was enough to be able to shampoo a water buffalo. But anyway, Ooh. he said I was they, going literal with it. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. Conrad had to explain it at one point. And he asked Arn if he actually said that, and Arn just laughed. And he's like, I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> and I guess uh, they said it was always funny seeing it, like, because he would ride the uh, the the private jet sometimes, the, the Crockett jet. And he would pull up to the plane, because you, you could pull up right to, on the runway, whatever. And uh, his, his car would pull up. He'd open the door, and you'd just hear, like, the wailing of, like, 500 kids and he's like, all right, love you guys. Bye. Close the door. <laughs> and then the, the sound would stop. And it's like, oh, there's Tony. Making his own baseball team. Yeah, right. <laughs> Why uh, is the running joke how big is Batista's thing and not how big is Tony Schumann's thing? Yeah, right. I, I'm wondering. I, hey, clearly Lois was satisfied. All right. She kept <laughs> popping him out. But anyway, and, and uh, you know, well, he's his damn family and he's a condom. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, hey, you know he's Catholic because he clearly didn't believe in contraception. <laughs> oh, man. Either way, uh, this next match, you want to talk about obscure names, man. Uh, Scott McGee teams with Johnny Weaver to take on Kevin Sullivan and Purple Haze Mark Lewin with Gary Hart in their corner. This goes six minutes, 43 seconds. Good it's Lord. Fun- it's funny to think that Kevin Sullivan is one of the young men in this match, along with Scott McGee. Got some hair, too. I know, right? And his real hair. How about that? <laughs> uh, I, if anybody can tell me, I have no idea who the hell Scott McGee is. Like, no. That's the guy who, that Bret Hart made famous, right? That's uh, <laughs> I oh, know, that Tom. Tom. Yeah, Tom McGee. Okay, I was trying to, I was legitimately thinking, I'm like, oh, 
I know it wasn't this guy. Yeah, no. Uh, this this man ass McGee, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, this guy could actually wrestle. Didn't look like a damn, but he could wrestle. Uh, and I know who Mark Lewin is only through well, first through uh, uh, Jim Cornette, and then if anybody watches, I haven't seen the show yet. I'm I, I'll have to binge it. They got that new uh, Tales from the Territories made by the same guys who did um, uh, Dark Side of the Ring. And I guess The Rock commentates like, or narrates the whole thing. And they do a, an episode on the Florida Territory. And uh, Sullivan and Lewin are a big part of it. So saw a bunch of uh, shots from the episode. Looks pretty cool. Johnny Weaver is the one that I, I guess he always did a, a variation of the sleeper hold and called it the Weaver Lock. Which is why in years, oh, see. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's why years after this, he always had. Uh, whenever Dusty Rhodes would do a sleeper hold, he he would call it the Weaver Lock. Oh, he's he's got him in the Weaver Lock, baby. And anyway, no. in in the in the end, uh, Kevin gets Weaver on his knees in an arm bar. Lewis arm bar arm bar. Lewis dives off, or excuse me, Lewin dives off the top rope with a knee. And gets the pin for a win. Yeah, because, you know, driving your knee into a shoulder, that's going to put you down for three. But anyway, uh, cagematch.net gives it two and a quarter. I give it two. What say you? One again. <laughs> I thought they, they like, they didn't get much time, but I thought they were okay wrestlers. So uh, I didn't, didn't see much, again, because it was short, but it is what it is. Uh, but we get an afterbirth here. Because Sullivan and Lewin stop away at Weaver after the match, and McGee runs in to fight them off, even drop-kicking Gary Hart. How dare he? Hart hands Lewin a gold spike, and Sullivan ends up catching McGee and holding him so that Lewin can repeatedly drive the spike into his head. <laughs> he bleeds all over. Now, <sighs> Angelo Mosca runs in, and he gets attacked with a spike. So, you know, he was a big help. Uh, he ends up getting Looks up like a bass tripped over his own dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he ends up getting up and chasing the heels away. So I guess he did help a little bit, but uh, yeah. Anyway, after this, we hear Cottle and Sully talk for a bit longer before sending it to Barbara Clary in the front row. Yeah, her. That's uh, Jim Crockett's secretary. Come on. Good Lord. <laughs> Probably. Uh, we need a pretty girl to throw in the front row. Uh, you. <laughs> anyway, uh, she asks how far she's she's standing in front of like a bunch of fans, like a family. She asks how far they traveled to get there and who they predict to win the world title match. Of course, they all send Rick or they all say Ric Flair. And then she sends it back to Tony Schiavone. Now, Tony is now in the heel locker room and asks Harley Race about his match later tonight. Harley says that he's talked to mutual friends of his and uh, and flares, and he knows how to hurt Flair and exploit his vulnerabilities. Sure. Uh, I will say this. Harley Race always seemed, like, super serious. Like, whatever he said, it's like, all right, like, you're probably bullcrapping me here, but I'm taking you seriously. But something I didn't take serious was up next. It was Carlos oh, Cajon. <laughs> yeah. Taking, taking on Abdullah the Butcher in four and a half minutes. So... This match is was supposedly banned in Puerto Rico. I'm assuming for suckage. I, there were times this match where I thought, like, other than like you know the girth, they were twins. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, did you see both their faces? Both of that nasty forehead, dude. Just... <sighs> yeah, I know. It's freaking gross, man. Get to movies. the end because we know how the ratings are going to go for this one. It can't go any but one way. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> Abdullah bleeds in short order. The ref gets bumped. Carlos locks Abdullah in a figure four. And then Hugo Savinovich, mullet and all. Yep. Runs yes, in. folks. That's the old announcer from WWE, the Spanish announcer. Uh, yeah, the one that was supposedly snorting lines of coke at a recent triple uh, AAA event. But yeah, I say allegedly because I'm trying to protect myself here. But there was a picture of his commentary desk, and I don't know what that was other than lines of cocaine. Just saying. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That was a legit shot. Yes. I thought somebody made that as a meme and put it on the internet. I, I swear to you, I'm not joking. <laughs> this is real. I wow. I I saw it, but like it was on like Twitter or something. I was like, oh, someone just made a meme, whatever. And then I even jokingly said they could do this for Tony Khan. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's sad. But now I can see where all those damn conspiracy theories are coming from on his stupid shows. <laughs> okay. Uh, he has. He, he's a conspiracy theorist. Not. No. No. I shouldn't say that. But like he says crazy stuff. I'm like, oh, he keeps saying that. Uh, uh, when, uh, one thing he said was uh, Triple H took over and he's going to sell to Tony Khan or something like that. Like, are you? And I actually said the words "be high," and now I'm like, he might be. <laughs> God, I'm not All joking. Right. I said this, but I, I believe you. Um, well, as a as a friend of mine who frequently frequently watched Triple uh, A back in the day would say, he used to call him Hugo Son of a Bitch. <laughs> but oh. Man. Yeah. Either way, yeah, this... to call uh, what's that politician Rob Blagojevich? Is that his name? Oh yeah. Well, Jay Lynn used to call him Rob Blah son of a bitch. So, okay. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He's someone's son of a bitch in prison now. Anyways, go on. Good lord. <laughs> uh, yeah, no this this is Hugo Savinovich with a hundred percent more hair and about two hundred pounds lighter. But. He hadn't found, uh, never mind. (laughs) He comes in and he whacks Carlos with something in the face, in the face, in the face. Uh, I don't know. Did you, do you know what he hit him with? I I don't know know what the hell that was. Yeah. We don't really see it. It was, it was uh, was an international object. There you go. You beat me to it. There you go. Uh, foreign to who, but, but the referee wakes up just in time to see Abby pin Carlos for the win. Cagematch.net didn't rate it. I gave yeah, it. Yeah, well, I went <laughs> I gave it Uno Star. What say you? Barely Uno. Yeah. Dude, I'm sorry. I will never give anything. Uh, 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 what's this guy's name again? The big dude? Uh, Abdullah. Abdullah. See, I don't know his name. I would never give anything with Abdullah the Butcher or anything in World One ever. The rare exception me like like a ten man tag and it's some something, but <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't we do that? Isn't that now in the archives? Oh, th- not Thunder Cage. We got uh, electrocuted. I think I don't remember. We did. That might uh, be a two star match, maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, something like that. But might be in the archives. Go look. Right, yeah. And while you're there, listen to all of our shows. Great. <laughs> Well, after the match, Hugo celebrates with Abdullah before we go to the back with uh, 
Tony Skivone and Angelo Mosca. Uh, Mosca hits a or has his uh, left arm wrapped up, blood seeping through from uh, from the earlier spike attack. Shivani asks if Mosca can referee the later match, and he says he certainly will. He tells Mark Lewin that there is no place in the NWA or in professional wrestling for that attack that they perpetrated on Scott McGee. When asked about who he thinks will win the main event, Angelo says that he predicts it will be Ric Flair. Is that ethical? Yeah. I thought this was kind of weird throughout this whole thing. Like, it's like, let's just keep asking random people. Who do you think is going to win the main? Like, who cares? Like, why? Why? By the way, it is this point in my notes where I realize I spelled Angelo Mosca's name different, like three different times. <laughs> I'm going to say M-A-S-K-A. It's a M-O-S-C-A. Mosca. Oh, okay. Mosca, yeah. I spelled it M-A-S-C-A at one point. M-O-S-C-A and M-A-S-C-O. <laughs> so three different spellings in my notes of his name. Well, don't uh, worry. He sucks anyway. So, good lord. I've never seen him wrestle, so I don't know, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, but we go back to Barbara Clary interviewing women in the crowd now who say that they predict Ric Flair will win the world title tonight. By the way, let's just get sh- this out of the way. Not one person on earth picked Harley Race, apparently. <laughs> right. Uh, poor Harley. I'm sure even Harley Race's mother at this point didn't even pick him, but that dirty SOB. <laughs> Uh, I will say, like, they showed Barbara Clary, like, 500 times tonight. I forgot her name every single time. Like, every time they said her name, I was I like, told who? you she was like, Crockett's secretary. Why do you not believe me? I didn't say I don't believe you. I just say I forgot who the hell she was every single time. Because every time they're, like, sending it back to Barbara Clary, I'm like, wait, what was her name again? Got dirt on somebody. <laughs> I swear to God, I kept forgetting her name. And every time they said it, I'm like, oh, her, yeah. Up next, it is... She's got some Mark. pictures of somebody, so she gets to be on TV. She taught her son, uh, Daniel Garcia, to do that. Good lord. Allegedly! <sighs> but anyway, uh, up next, it is the lesser of the Youngbloods, Mark Youngblood, teaming up with Wahoo McDaniel t- uh, to take on Bob Orton Jr. and Dick Slater. Dirty Dick Slater. Dirty Dick Slater. You gotta get a cowboy, an Indian, and a dirty dick oh, in there, man. That's what I was gonna say. An actual uh, Native American. Yeah, right. You Hey, you get Cowboys and Indians right here all in one match, man. Oh, How my God. That? I didn't say it, but I didn't even realize that. Hey, oh. hey I, it's, uh, you know, whatever. They, they didn't call it you, Cowboys and Native Americans growing up. All right. <laughs> so that's exactly roll off the tongue. Uh, speaking of Indians, by the way, I have a uh, a snow. I, I forgot I had this. I broke out for my Christmas decorations. A snowman with Chief Wahoo on it, and he's his hat and gloves are Cleveland Indians colors. That I don't think you, don't think you can say that. Well, that in the uh, in the words of Michael Cole is vintage. <laughs> but this one goes just shy of fifteen minutes during opening announcements. Just shy of washable. <laughs> during the opening announcements, the microphone starts cutting out uh, a lot to the point of we where, call that an omen. <laughs> <laughs> to the point of where they mention it on commentary, even. Well, we're having some uh, audio technical difficulties here. Like, no kidding. Like, you know, if for the people who can't hear. If it's not that, you got bigger problems. 
Right? I'm like, am I losing my hearing? Or are they going on the fritz? But in the end, Bob Orton hits the super, super suplex on Youngblood. And Wahoo is too late to save him. Orton gets the pinfall win. Cagematch.net gave it two and three quarters of a star. I gave it two and a half for average. Let's say you. I actually gave it two. It was so far the best the best thing we've seen so far. But Not saying much. I but don't know yeah. what the hell I'm saying. I would have rather seen Wahoo one on one with either Orton or Slater. Like we didn't need Young Blood in there. Oh my God! Did we did we overlook the fact that a Native American was in there with Dick Slater? Probably didn't like him. No, no, no. That's Dick Murdoch. Oh, sorry. My mistake. Different Dick. <laughs> I, I confuse all the dicks. Sorry. Good Lord. Uh, this one may or may not have uh, been a nice person as well. I, I, I don't know. I don't know much about Dick Slater. Not going to cast aspersions. So there you go. We do know uh, 100% about uh, Dick Murdoch, though, that was uh, apparently a card-carrying member of an organization that... Uh, uh, decent people don't want to be a card-carrying member of. <laughs> just say that. Anyway. You don't uh, like anybody that's not white. Let's just put it like that. Yeah, right. Uh, you ain't from around here, are you? But after the match, Orton and Slater lay out Wahoo and hold his arm over, uh, or they hold it out over one side of the ring and dive off the apron and the top rope onto it a couple of times before the ref convinces them to leave. It's like, hey, guys, come on. This was so... This was so awkward, dude. I know. I'm like, uh, it's almost like they ran out of stuff to do. I uh, just keep beating them up. Whoever, because I forget which order they dove off in. The first guy to dive off, he like went up to the top rope and then he's like, no, no, no that's too high. And then he like got down onto the apron, <laughs> jumped. I'm like, I didn't what? catch that. Yeah, you go. You gotta go back. I'm like, what the frick? Oh uh, no, I'm not going back to watch this. Sorry. Well, yeah, you don't have to, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, we go backstage now with Tony Schiavone standing by with Nature Boy Ric Flair, Jay Youngblood, the only Youngblood that people mildly cared about, and uh, Ricky Steamboat. By the way, I'm going to say this right now. I should have said it from the outgo, but a lot of people on the show are probably passed away. We crap on people that are dead. I, it, it's not them as a human being, okay? I know we say that a lot on the show, but just, just put sad that out we still got to put that disclaimer out there, but yeah. Yeah, don't at us, okay? Anyway, uh, Flair says that he hopes that Harley Race has something good planned for him, and he's ready, because Flair's on top of his game tonight. Youngblood and Steamboat wish Flair luck and say that tonight they have their toughest challenge yet as they go for the tag titles against the Briscoe Brothers. Yeah, so we have the chance of getting a Reach for watchable the sky, tag team. Boy. No, that match would have been entertaining. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> At ringside, we're with Barbara Clary yet again, standing by with a dapper-looking Dusty Rhodes. So, the audio keeps cutting out, and we can't hear 90% of Dusty Rhodes' promo. Gordon Sully has... Which is sad, us, because that's probably some of the only good stuff on the show. Well, yeah, right. And he, it's going to get better. Into it. <laughs> I, he's getting into it. He's talking like he's an Italian, waving his hands around and whatnot. I mean, like, he's getting into it, man. But, <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I got the practical jokers. If you want to be a true attack, you need to throw your hands around whenever you say anything. <laughs> yeah, it's like you wave your hands around, whatnot. Hey, I can say this because I'm like a fourth Italian. All right, I got it covered. But Gordon Sully has to tell us 
that uh, Dusty gets the winner of the world title match. So that's, I guess, what he's talking about. Good Lord, this sucked. Like, well, that's like... <sighs> when have you ever said that about a Dusty promo? <laughs> we literally had a Dusty Rhodes promo pretty much transcribed for us by one of the most boring milk toast dudes on the planet. Wow. Another one I didn't realize. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you wait way to suck the charisma out of the promo, man. But anyway. Again, when do you have you ever said that about Dusty Rhodes? Like losing charisma. I know, right? So much wrong with this. <laughs> but up next, we've got the great Kabuki. He has uh, Gary Hart in his corner. He's defending the NWA World Television title against Charlie Brown from out of town in a title versus mask match. So, yes, you're that right. Kabuki versus Charlie Brown. And this is a real match on a major (laughs) show. Not a 1995 WWF parody match, but go ahead. Well, you know what Charlie Brown got for Halloween, Greg? He got a rock. He got a rock. (laughs) I never never thought about this until somebody broke it down. He's like, who's the a-hole parent who who saw he was like, hey, there's that Charlie (laughs) Brown coming. Give him a rock. (laughs) He looked like that little brat that left a piece of crap in a bag on his doorstep and lit it on fire. Yeah, right. No wonder uh, Charlie Brown had such depression issues and like never trusted anybody. Like, not not only are the kids messing with him, the freaking parents are giving him rocks. <laughs> How did Charlie Brown not go crazy and shoot everybody? I know. Uh-oh. If he would have went postal, like at that point, I might have forgiven him a little bit. But either way, this goes we're talking about the comic. By the way, don't add us for that. Talking about a comic strip, <laughs> not real life. And the cartoon. I want to hear it. Yeah. This one goes about ten and a half minutes. Charlie Brown was 100% totally not the boogie woogie man, Jimmy Garvin. <sighs> yeah, not him. But anyway. Uh, quite Jimmy Jam yet. He was still jelly. Got it. Like jelly Nutella. Yeah. I don't know why the hell I had well, to say that. No, this, no, this, isn't, no, this isn't Jimmy Jam. That's uh, or No, th- wait. This is. Is it Garvin? Who the hell am I thinking of? It's uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Garvin was Jimmy Jam. Jimmy uh, Valiant. Jimmy Valiant. That was it. Not Garvin. Handsome, Handsome Jimmy Valiant. Yeah. Uh, too many damn Jimmys. I get them all mixed up. Little Jimmy's back. Grayson Waller just kicked him on, on Tuesday. I'm pissed off at him for that. Oh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gary Hart gets involved a lot. <laughs> In the end, Kabuki misses a kick in the corner, hits the mat, and Charlie Brown hits an elbow drop for the pinfall win. Nobody pulled the football out from under him. Uh, Cagematch.net and I both gave this dose stars. Let's say you. I gave it two. It was, again, somewhat watchable. Yeah. But man, uh, we are dragging the line, or dragging that bar lower to the ground here, though, dude. Jimmy Valiant was never known for his uh, amazing wrestling prowess. And, I was known uh, for being handsome. Oh, of course. Uh, that's the one Jim Cornette tells a story about. He got hepatitis or something. The only way they found out was he like he came in the backstage. His, his eyes were like yellow. And uh, geez, Christine Jarrett was was there. Uh, Jeff's mom or grandma. Yeah, well, Jeff's, you know, just just grandma was there. And she I know she it's like, not her. Yeah, right. But she was like, uh, handsome. Uh, you might want to go see a doctor. So, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. Uh, anyway, good we go back to, we go back to, uh, 
Bob Cottle and Gordon Sully as they call up someone called Dude Walker. I guess he's, he's some radio DJ. Uh, I I don't know. Well, you know, uh, what's Anytime. his name? Uh, Bubba Love Sponge ain't alive yet, or ain't a thing yet. And Howard Stern's not a thing yet. What's that yeah. other idiot's name from Chicago? And Cal. Yeah, man, Cal's not a thing yet. Well, so, yeah. they call this dude up uh, to talk about how great Ric Flair is and how he should win the world title tonight. Cool. At uh, this point, it. by the way, if I'm if I'm watching this today. At this point, I'm convinced all the hell Ric Flair is not winning that world title. Because good grief, they had everybody, their brother and their brother's side piece saying Flair needs to win. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. I was getting sick of it, dude. Yeah, I know. It's like, we get it. You all love Ric Flair. Good Lord. But backstage, Tony Schiavone is sitting by with Harley Race, Bob Orton, and Dick Slater. Orton All says... Trio. Yeah, right. Doesn't get much more white than that. Uh, Orton says that he and Slater would have taken out Ric Flair and collected that bounty from Harley Race if not for Wahoo McDaniel. Uh, Harley Race says that he's coming for Ric Flair's neck all night, and he looks to pile-drive him straight into the mat. What's your finishing move? I'll move. Uh... But, yeah, so on one side, you've got a bunch of Southern white boys. On the other side, you got pretty boy Ric Flair along with the Hawaiian Ricky Steamboat and uh, a couple of Native Americans. May look kind of Japanese. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, I I wonder who's the good guy here. (laughs) Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, the whole storyline building up to this was Harley Race put a bounty on Ric Flair's head, and Orton and uh, Slater tried to collect it. So, there you go. Yeah, and Flair did his very first fake retirement here, too. <laughs> yeah. It's on It's on one of his old DVDs. It's like a little promo. He's like sitting at his house and saying he's going away. He's never going to wrestle again, and he'll be sure I to check in from time to time. Yeah. Basically heard- saying he's dying, by the way. I'll check in from time to time. Isn't that what you say <laughs> in your deathbed? Uh, maybe. Like, I hurt my neck too bad. I can't. You mean you're a good person and you can check in? That's a different story, though. But it's not something you say in retirement. (laughs) Right. Uh, Anyway. Uh, so it's take two as we go on set now with Barbara Clary standing by with Dusty Rhodes. Dusty talks about how historic and meaningful a nice main event is, baby. And he predicts that. Harley Race is going to win tonight. So we, there's one for Harley. Uh, and then he says... That yeah, but wait, wait. Yeah, right. Uh, but he says that whoever wins, they'll be losing their world title to him, making him the three-time world champion, daddy. So... Eh, spoiler, go. I think that happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, could, could Dusty have a hand in the booking here? No. No. Shut yeah. up, your conspiracy theories. Hey, just move <laughs> yeah. on. Is is that why he gets his own private plane with stardust painted on the side? <laughs> no. <sighs> but anyway, up next is, brace yourself, you get a match here. It's Greg the Hammer Valentine taking on Rowdy Roddy Piper in a dog collar match. And no, the U.S. title is not on the line because that is a running thing with Piper dating back to 1983. 
a running thing in in, in, uh, in uh, WCW period. <laughs> right. Especially but, and that's arcade. A couple times it's happened. Well, arcade. He never got his <laughs> he never got world title matches against Hogan like in any company. He doesn't get the well, title match here. Well, that's also a running thing if you think about it. That's how you know Piper's going to win the match because the title's not on the line. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, good grief. This is uh, I wanna, something. I want to point out two quick things here. Number one, it's crazy to think that he's basically co-headlining this show. And then he's going to co-headline the first two WrestleManias. Or headline one of them and co-headline WrestleMania two. Does it show you yeah, just how right. big he was in 80, 83, 45? And then second thing, one of the things that's most overused in wrestling to this day is when they call something the most dangerous match wrestling. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that. Every single company without fail has used that line. World this World match, right? Man. This match, right? Yeah, right. This match right here is my pick for the most dangerous match because you are literally tied to a 200-pound man on you know, average by your neck. Mm-hmm. You jerk that thing. You can cripple someone or even kill them. Oh, yeah. And you, this this match, I've always said, is the most dangerous match, the dog collar match. Because even in other matches, they're controlled environments. This one, like I said, one quick one quick snap, boom, you could be dead or paralyzed. Yep. So I'm going to stand by the dog collar is the most dangerous match in pro wrestling. Uh, it's hard to argue that. Oh. But Also, we're going to get proof of that after this match. Go ahead. <laughs> right yeah this oh man this uh this one big thick chain it's i i've always low-key liked dog collar matches the only thing is like that one with cody and um oh a Bre- uh blanking on his name now brody Luke harper yeah brody lee uh to me that one didn't make any sense i'm like why is this happening like it wasn't really no it didn't up. make sense because the point of this I mean, it might even go here. I don't know the belt up to this one, full disclosure. But I always thought the point to these were one guy kept running. So you put yeah. them together. Right. Yeah, so I I don't freaking know, man. You just but... did that with, with Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. It was a strap match, but close enough. It made no sense because all they wanted to do was fight each other. So why the hell are you sticking them together? That one I can think of, like, they just, like, I don't know, they just want to beat the hell out of each other so bad you know with like they're going to be tied together and i i don't know i'm i'm trying to come up with something here but this one goes about 16 minutes kind of annoys me that both of these guys are wearing blue trunks by the way i, I catch I that yeah. uh but these two beat the piss out of each other valentine gets busted open first and then piper starts bleeding from his left ear he apparently injured it previously, and now Valentine is working it with the chain. In the end, Piper beats, beats Valentine down, wraps cha- the chains around his legs, and pins him for the win. Cagematch.net and I both gave this four stars. What say you? I as well gave it four, especially for a dog collar match. In fact, as, for a dog collar match, this might be five, but I'd say four. But this is like, probably as a, the most famous one ever. Oh, for sure. And I mean, as a match itself, like if, if you're going on like a pure wrestling match, whatever, it wasn't beautiful. It wasn't, you know, like it didn't have good form, whatever. This was just a brawl. These two dudes beat the crap out of each other and they made it and look real. I think real. Piper's sustained permanent hearing loss from this match. I would believe it. I don't know how you blade your ear. That's kind of effing gross, but 
Well, yeah. John Moxley literally did a couple weeks ago. So, oh god, of course he freaking did because he's <laughs> he's nuts. Like I think he might be legitimately nuts. Keep in mind, Piper's one of his heroes, so there's that. Yeah, that makes that again makes some sense, man. But and I love Piper; he's always been one of my favorites. But either way, uh, after the match. Two dudes get in the ring to lift Piper up on their shoulders. I don't know who the hell this was. I don't think they said. The crowd I explodes. Believe it's the little kid, I believe it's the, the guy that ran in at WrestleMania 3. But don't hold me to that. Good lord. <laughs> uh, Greg Valentine jumps and knocks the two men out of the ring before choking Piper over the top rope with the chain. Finally, the referees break it up and gets Valentine to go to the back. Ah, uh, man. This is one of those instances where I think an afterbirth kind of works. Yeah, let's set it up. Uh, Valentine got his heat back. Piper still got the win. So, you know, I don't know. It, it kind of worked. But Bob Cottle up next tries to send us to Barbara Clary. But we go back to Tony Schiavone in the locker rooms. Well, oiled machine they've got here. Anyway, he's standing by with Ric Flair and Wahoo McDaniel. Flair says that Orton and Slater will pay for what they did to Wahoo. He then says that he's been training for Harley Race with Wahoo McDaniel, Ricky Steamboat, and Jay Youngblood, and now he's ready. Us telling us they're not really that hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Wahoo says that he's proud to say that he helped train Ric Flair and prepare him for this match tonight. Now we go to Barbara Clary, standing by with Don Cronodal. Uh, he compliments... Real name. <laughs> yeah. uh, former tag team partner of uh, Sergeant Slaughter, by the way. He compliments... Sounds like the... something like an, an old British grandma says about your room. What is all that cronodal all over the floor? <laughs> Clean up. Good Lord. <laughs> Sounds like a macaroni dish or something. Uh, what's there for dinner go. tonight? I made cronodal. <laughs> <laughs> and he compliments the Briscoes, but he believes that Steamboat and Youngblood will take the tag team gold tonight. He then says he would like to see Ric Flair win the main event. So there's another one. Uh, I don't know about At you, this Greg, point. But... I'm convinced that uh, he's paid some. He's paid everyone off. Yeah, right. Well, I don't know about you, Greg, but I, I, I'm feeling like the polls are a little stacked at this point. We got one Harley race vote. Yeah, right. Who was uh, that again? Uh, Dusty. Oh, Dusty. Yeah. Yeah. Big Dust. We now get the Briscoe brothers of Jack and Jerry Briscoe defending the NWA World Tag Team titles against Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood with special guest referee Angelo Mosca. This goes about 13 and a half minutes. The match ends when Steamboat presses up Youngblood and drops him on Jerry Briscoe for the three count. Cagematch.net gave it three and a half stars. I actually gave it three stars. I was pretty entertained by this one. What say you? I went back and forth. I, I... Guess I settled on three because I wrote three. Um, and it was bad. bad. Yeah, I uh, think this of... was probably the best, just basic match all night. Not the best yeah. match, but the best just like traditional match. I like that. Uh, you know, this wasn't always the case, but the NWA actually made like when they they had a couple of uh, special guest referees on the show. And they actually, like, meant something. It wasn't just, oh, he's here, so let's make him a referee. Like, they actually did something that mattered in the match. So, I mean, Mosca 
in the match itself didn't do much, but the afterbirth he sure did. Speaking of which, after the match, Jack Briscoe jumps Steamboat and Youngblood before the Briscoes jump Angelo Mosca, throwing him hurt arm first into the turnbuckle. Yeah. <laughs> Cherry walks. One, <laughs> oh, yeah, he freaking ate it. I'm like, dang. <laughs> I kind of felt it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Jerry locks a figure four in on Ricky Steamboat as Jack jumps on Ricky. Uh, Jack goes to the top rope and dives off as Mosca catches him, kind of, but they fall. <laughs> uh, the brawl continues until Steamboat and Youngblood can get back up and beat up the Briscoes, sending them running for the hills. Mosca uh, finally hands the new tag champions their titles, and they all celebrate and pose together. So it's super weird that we get the credits rolling before the main event. Did you catch that? I did. I figured what I had figured, and we're already too late into the pay-per-view at this point, so I'm wrong, but like, I was like, is this like a double tape? Like a video cassette for people to know VHS before DVD? Uh, Like, is this (laughs) this like a double tape? Like, you know, the old, I don't know if you've ever seen Godfather or Godfather 2 on VHS, but it would roll like a little credit and say, hey, put in the next one. Like that. Is that what this was? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. I think this was just, well, let's get it out of the way now. It's, you know, because the stuff that came after the main event was super important to get in. Which, you know, we'll get to. But anyway, we then get Bob Coddle sending us backstage so that Tony Schiavone can talk about how much the main event means while Ric Flair paces back and forth. God. A dancing Charlie Brown from out of town comes dancing in with a TV title and kisses Tony on the cheek. Might want to get checked, Tony. Uh, he says that this title win <laughs> is for all of his family and fans before saying that he's going out to party and takes off. Uh, Roddy Piper now walks up and points to his bloody ear. Roddy asks Greg Valentine if that's all he's got and says that he beat Greg fair and square. So next up, the U.S. title is his. About that. Yeah. Uh, as he walks away. I don't even think he's ever going to get another shot at anything. I think he's gone right after this. All forever, bro. No, no. Uh, gone until 1996. Right. Uh, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood walk up with their tag titles. Youngblood sits at the, they'll take on all comers, even the Briscoes again. Steamboat cuts a promo and uh, that just about put me to sleep. One of the greatest wrestlers to ever live cannot talk. No. It's it's like he's reading out of the phone book. But he talks about... You know what? You you look back on it. Obviously, Kurt Angle's great. Bret Hart Mm. was not that great on the mic either. Certain guys just don't have both. No, but Bret never put me to sleep. He he wasn't a great promo, but I was never... His best promo was about him yelling, to be fair. But yeah. Uh, (laughs) All of his heel promos were... Pretty decent. Yeah, that's, but, definitely yeah. he, that's definitely where he. That's definitely where he got his footing. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just no, it's it's just, always funny to me that some of the best wrestlers ever couldn't speak that well. Yeah, I think Kurt is the exception to that rule. I mean, he wasn't like the greatest orator ever, but he cut some entertaining promos. He's like, uh, yeah, like like the, the guy next after him right now would be Sami Zayn. It's like yeah. I'm not saying he's like breaking ground, but man, it's great. <laughs> Samoa Joe and Brian Danielson. I, I think it's it's changing now. Samoa Joe and Brian Danielson are pretty good on the mic. But, yeah, I, I think I that was a think rule. I think that Samoa Joe is what uh, Keith Lee wants to be. 
not to get too far off, but yeah. you know, uh, Jim Cornette says he speaks like Fraser Crane. I'm like, yeah, you know, Slow Joe kind of speaks in a distinguished way, too. But he gets his point across and doesn't use the thesaurus to make his promos. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, that. That is correct. Uh, but, yeah, Steamboat talks about uh, great talent from around the world coming for their titles. <laughs> all, I, all I can say is... Yeah. Yikes. Oh, hey, he could wrestle. I mean, he got one. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, we get some videos of Dusty Rose hanging out with a bunch of women in the crowd. Cool. We then get the Star Spangled Banner. No brown sugar this week. <laughs> we then get the Star Spangled Banner sang by James Tiny Weeks, I guess is a country singer, as a spotlight is on the American flag hanging from the rafters. They delayed oh. the... Huh? Merck. <laughs> they delayed the crap out of the main event, by the way. I, I don't know why. Finally. Don't know why. Yeah, it's like, you've had all night to get ready. What, what, what's the delay for? Good Lord, did, ever, did people go short on their matches, or was this planned? Because if this was planned, yikes. I don't understand what you're missing. This is yeah, a uh, waste of time. Dude, they took seven, they took seven hours to, to to put up the damn cage. I guess so. Oh, I, like, I forgot. I, I'm they, being serious. I forgot they, they, they back in the day. They got to put it all together and then test it, make sure it doesn't fall over. I, I heard. Um, I think it was uh, it was one of the podcasts, one of the Conrad's podcasts. Someone said it. They used to take like an hour to put up the cage. Oh, it was Pritchard. He said SummerSlam '94. There was a huge delay too because they had to put it up, test it, make sure. They could climb to the top and it won't break and fall over on the fans and stuff. Yeah, I I forgot I, about. That, I honestly so. thought you were okay. I thought that you makes were just sense now. Joking, okay. So you really didn't get. It. No, I I didn't think about it. Okay. I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah. So because yeah, my notes I wrote sense. and I erased it. Like whatever. I, mean, I remember writing. Damn. Like what are we waiting for? I'm like oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But either way, uh, I guess we'll take our. I think, uh, by the way, I left. think we're just accustomed nowadays to the case lowering. That's why we probably missed it at first. Yeah, right. But we're going to take our second to last break. On the other end of this, it's main event time, finally, right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Oh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah brother, that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. We right. shared a room. thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go movie. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, well... What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Hey, it's all right. Good on you. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on youtube find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks <laughs> and we're back we're back well finally we get rick flair's theme playing while lasers go off in the rafters i love this yeah it was it was cool uh, but this is Harley Race defending the NWA World's Heavyweight title against Ric Flair in a steel cage with special guest referee Gene Kanitsky. Uh, this one went 23 minutes, 49 seconds. I did think it was kind of lame that they came out to no music whatsoever, but it's 1983, so, you know, whatever. There's like, still some debate on who used the first theme song. It was Michael Hayes or Hulk Hogan with I Have the Tiger. Yeah. I've heard stories for both, so I don't Yeah, never know. Uh, I, well, I think uh, Michael Hayes, or the Freebirds as a whole, I think had the first custom theme song, I'll say that. Uh, Ric Flair's, like, his, his entire theme played, and then he came out to silence. <laughs> I was like, okay. But either way, uh, Kaniski has to get physically involved a few times when either man takes things too far. He'd pull a guy off or shove him away. I thought that was cool. He actually got involved a few times. Uh, once, he actually couldn't get Harley Race off of Ric Flair, so he pulled Harley back by his hair. Uh, sp- uh, Harley spends most oh, of first- Yeah. Harley spends most of the first half of the match beating Flair's ass like he owed him money. Uh, Flair and Harley both bleed. He did. He owed him that bounty he put out on him. Hell yeah. I don't like that bounty myself. <laughs> Take it out of your ass. Uh, but uh, either way, they both bleed, but Flair's bleeding a gusher. I know. Shocker. But Harley takes great like bumps. <laughs> Harley takes some great ass bumps, dude. He like he just like freaking collapses. Like hits that ground like a damn tree falling. And keep in mind, I've heard stories about this damn ring back in the day. That's like, it's like cement oh, yeah. at certain times. So, yep. <laughs> they did say the rings that they use down south, or they call them southern bumping rings. So they were a little more forgiving than, like, they said up in New York, like the WWF rings were like, those were like concrete. They said down Bad south, rings. they had, yeah, because they said they, you know, they were known for the big giants that didn't really bump a whole lot. So, you know, they they were all I guess like that's true. Rings. How often did Andre the Giant or Big John Sutt hit the mat? I guess that's true. Hell, hmm. even Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, right. They use a cage a lot, which I love that too. I hate cage matches where it's like the cage is there but doesn't really come into play. Race gets uh, shoved and headbutts Kaniski by an accident, taking him out for a bit. This means absolutely nothing. 
Flair hits the scariest and ugliest looking top rope diving crossbody I've ever seen in my yeah. life. <laughs> it wasn't even like crossbody. It was like vertical on vertical almost. And he's like, <laughs> he takes him out with his legs, not even his body. And he pins race and he gets the win to win his first ever NWA <laughs> world title. Cagematch.net gave. Oh, go ahead. I, I got to say, dude, that ending was just ass. <laughs> It was weird. The ref gets bumped. I would take it which played nothing into it. Over this. Yeah. Like, like, why did you bump the ref? Like, that didn't play into anything. Flair hits that ugly crossbody. Uh, I don't know. And he, you figure with Steamboat, quote unquote, training him, he would have done a better crossbody. But either way, cagematch.net gives it three and a half stars. I actually gave it four. I don't know. Maybe nostalgia hit me. I really like this match. What say you? I gave it three. It was really good. I love this one. Uh, I liked when Tommaso Ciampa cosplayed as this Harley race here. Pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I have a Jax figure of this Harley race, by the way. But I want a Mattel one, but it's the most rarest figure to find out there. So. Oh, they made a Mattel of this one? They did, and it went out of production quickly. So if you got oh, it, damn. you got it. You know, so this day it's worth like 600 bucks on eBay. Good Lord. Not this Harley race, though. It's to be fair. It's, it's WrestleMania three Harley race, King Harley race. But to my oh. knowledge, it's the only hell one they have. So, yeah, no, the the Jack's one was was from this event here. He's got the blue trunks, the half red and blue boots, and he comes with a robe. French flag. He's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's even got the um, uh, the handlebar mustache and all that stuff. So that's pretty cool. But after the match, the Triple H may or may not have ripped off. It's still between him and Lemmy, so we don't know. Yeah, right. Uh, he did. Uh, he would always do Harley. You could tell he loved Harley Race because he had the mustache. Really? He did the he did the running high knee. He did that same damn bump in the corner that Harley would always do, which, by the way, caused him to tear his pec. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, like maybe you guys shouldn't take that bump because. Uh, Harley took that bump one time, landed on a table, and like effed himself up pretty damn bad. You tore your peck. Like maybe people should just retire that bump. <sighs> but anyway, after the match, a bunch of baby faces rush the cage and hoist Flair up on their shoulders. Kaniski forces Fl- uh, Race to leave the cage without incident before holding up Flair's arm in victory. Ricky Steamboat ironically helps put the world title around Flair's waist. Uh, that's going to come into play later. Yeah, give it six years and they're going to have an awesome trilogy now in the archives, by the way. Uh, and yes, uh, all three of them, one. actually. Yep. Early days of the podcast. But Angela Mosca hoists Flair up onto his shoulders again and parades him around the cage for all the fans. Flair's uh, first of like 10 wives gets in and hugs him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one this was. He finally grabs the mic. It's not Charlotte's mom. I can tell you that. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) He finishes by saying that this is the greatest night of his life before exiting the arena. Thinks I can overuse that in his life. Yeah, right. Like, I would like one of his kids after the match would be like, what about the night I was born? Yeah, no, this is better. (laughs) Uh, He swears in his book, though, it's the World Rumble 1992. So, yeah, with a tear in my eye. But after commentary talks some more, they send us back to Tony Schiavone in the locker room with Ric Flair. 
Blair thanks the fans, Jim Crockett, and others for believing in him. He shakes a hand of Ricky Steamboat, who says that Flair always had it in him, and he owes him one. Well, uh, yeah, that's like I said, that's coming into play later. Flair said, whatever you want. Uh, there will come a day when I will call upon you for a favor. <laughs> it may but, be tomorrow, maybe years from now. Yeah, maybe six years in the future. But either way, you owe me three matches. Uh, I'm losing two. Or one, uh, one. <laughs> uh, all the uh, other baby faces now come up and pour champagne on Rick and Tony, by the way. Tell Tony was not expecting this because he's like, what the F? He liked after, it. We know he's a drinker. Shut the hell up. Uh, after that, Dusty Rhodes comes up to shake Rick's hand and tells him that he's next. Flair makes it clear that he's focused on celebrating tonight. He's not thinking about Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. Uh, next, we send it to Barbara Clary in the heel uh, room. Sorry, real, real quick. This, mm-hmm. I just realized this was a staple with WCW. There's a lot of times after an event's over, the next challenger, you have a big baby face wins, retains, whatever. The, mm-hmm. the heel guy comes into the locker room and it's like, oh, I'm next. I just realized this is a, a thing in WCW or NW, whatever. Whole, whole lineage. <laughs> right. Because Vader did it to Hogan. That's like well, the most famous one, I think. And, but well, and uh, well, six years down in the future, we're going to see a similar celebration with Ricky Steamboat. Uh, what is it? I think it's uh, six years Chi-Town? after. Uh, no, he lost that. One. I think Nashville. Yeah, lost, yeah, I think. And then uh, what is it? Um, four years after that, we're going to see it with Flair again. So there you go, man. I'm not complaining. Way. I don't think it's bad. It's no, just funny I, that they it was their they thing. They gapped out. Used the hell out of it. Yeah. But uh, now we go to Barbara Clary in the heel locker room. The heel locker room. She's standing by with Harley oh, Race. Bats. He says that he's the seven-time champion, and the only thing standing in his way from being an eight-time champion is Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. Well, yeah. It's Dusty. <laughs> uh, he said, T-H-Y, dude. Get it right. Wow. Uh, He says he's not packing it up and going home, but rather he's going to hunt Flair down and put him through hell until he gets his rematch. Uh, I don't know if he ever would. Kind of odd how, like, nowadays they use the hell out of it, but back then they didn't have a quote-unquote rematch clause. Yeah, right. Uh, For some reason, we go back to Tony Schiavone in the baby face locker room, again standing by with Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. They talk all about how they uh, they all work hard and put in. Uh, they put hard work into winning those titles and <laughs> how much they love the fans. Typical. <laughs> We're all baby faces and we want you to know it. Promo. Yeah, right. <laughs> like what a freaking waste of time. Oh man. We finally. I, I'm assuming they're they're delaying because the production team was putting this thing together. We finally end. The music video montage of the main events highlights. Like th- this is opposed to WWE, which as soon as WrestleMania goes off the air, they got that package ready. Like I was always impressed as hell by that. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. Like obviously I mean, they that's... have like the best technology, but still <laughs> nuts, man. But either way, 
We're uh, going to take our final break of the podcast. When we come back, it's final ratings time, and we'll tell you what's coming up ahead on the podcast right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. What's up, everybody? I am the hardest part of the ring, the host of the Apron Bump podcast. Ugh, another wrestling podcast. How many times can I listen to fans tell me who needs a push, who doesn't need a push, who brings Vince's coffee these days? Enough! The Apron Bump is about the journey. It's about nostalgia. It's about discovering new forms of wrestling to really tickle your pickle as a wrestling fan. The podcast brings you reviews of wrestling events all over the world, whether it's WWF, WWE, WCW, ECW. We even cover the golden eras of Ring of Honor, Progress, TNA, and more promotions in the future as well. New episodes every Wednesday. Bump day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go to apronbump.com or go to your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and subscribe today for the most diverse, fan-friendly wrestling podcast in the world. I'm hard. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. Final ratings here. Internet Movie Database gives this 6.9 out of 10. Cagematch.net also gives it 6.91 out of 10. I actually gave it 7.5 out of 10 for a C. Let's say you. I went a little higher than you. I said B minus. I know there weren't that many great matches, but yeah, it was pretty damn good for the time. It was definitely a start. yeah, especially for the time. Yes, it was yeah, good effort by uh, the NWA. They put out their best that that they had at the time. It was definitely if you're comparing, especially to the WWF in 1983, the wrestling was much better. I know we crapped on a lot of it here, but. Seriously, it was better than what you were getting up in New York. Not saying it was more popular, just saying the wrestling was I better. think it actually was more popular this time. I don't think WWF's hit their stride yet. Uh, but I there. think we're very close to that happening. Yeah. When was WrestleMania? 84? 85. 85, okay. So, WrestleMania 1985, you know, that, that hits and uh, blows the roof off of the, the business forever. Forever, bro. So Blown forever, bro. Wow. 
Giggity, uh, I just heard that. Yeah, that's, that sounds kinky. <laughs> but anyway, that does it for our first of two shows this week, actually. We got another one coming up this uh, this Friday. We got another Starcade coming at you next week. Lots of NWA coming at you, actually. Uh, our bonus show this Friday is NWA Clash of the Champions 9, New York Knockout. And that one might be a banger. Let's see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I, I still haven't watched it yet, so i got to go back and check it out. I know the main event is great. That's all I know about it. I've, I've seen it in the past. i got to watch it again. The main event may be one of the very better non-traditional wrestling matches they've ever had. Yeah, so I'm looking definitely looking forward to watching that. It's uh, Flair and Terry Funk in an I Quit match. Good stuff. And this was when Terry Funk was still one of the best. Ric Flair was still going at a super high level in 89. So there you go. Great rivalry they had there. This was right after Flair went from that great three-match trilogy and that feud with Ricky Steamboat, transitioning right into this one with uh, Terry Funk. So his 1989 was stacked. Uh, But that's coming up this Friday for Double Lane Event Week. Next Wednesday, November 30th, we are wrapping up the month of November, can't believe it, already. With NWA, Starcade 1987, Chi-Town Heat for its 35-year anniversary. This may or may not be one of the uh, like most lacking in star power of all the, uh, the Starcades. Well, 95 I mean, hits hard, man. Was it 95? Uh, all, all, the, all, all the 95, guys yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one... Yeah, that one was. Yeah, it's funny I say that, but maybe these guys were big stars in Japan. But like over here, who the hell are you? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, this one was Ric Flair going for the world title again. This time against Hands of Stone, Ron Garvin. Oh yeah. man, that's. <laughs> I feel my ass planting in the seat just saying it. <laughs> Yikes, man. Uh, that. It was something I, I don't remember the whole show. So maybe the show was good. I, I don't know. Well, you want me to spoil it for you? Uh, you'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So that's coming up on November 30th. But so we got two more shows for you this month. And then we're heading into December. It's the holiday season. Ah, still haven't. We're, well, as of the dropping of this tomorrow, we're cutting into the bird. And then the next day. Obviously, we're dropping a podcast, but we're also, you know, all, all them hot sales are coming at you. So look out yeah. for uh, Black Friday. And then Small Business Saturday, it's it's especially important right now if you have small businesses that you can go to. Definitely patronize. I say them. everybody should pick one and support it. Yeah, because... Whether, like, uh, for me, it's going to be a, a, a collector's one, the like toys, but, you know. Yep. Gotta, gotta. It used to be really cliche, but I think now more than ever, we need to help them out. Yeah, if, if you can, if you got small businesses that you like or that you can patronize, definitely go do that now. Obviously, I'm also going to say I'm not one of these people that's like, only do this, do not shop Amazon. I'm sorry, Amazon has sales all the time, and we're in right. dire financial times, and I need to save money. So I'm sorry. Yep. Hey, got to do what you got to do, man. And, uh, Amazon helps me out a lot, especially with stocking issues going on, you know, in a lot of stores. That's how I get my you know cat help food. me with stocking. Every time I'm in the bushes, they get caught. So they need to up that. 
<laughs> yeah, because uh, I know Walmart never has the cat food that I want. None of the stores around here really have. They all have it like the little bags, whereas on Amazon, I can get a great big ass bag. Like less shopping for me. I'm sorry. But, it's, it's not our fault. Amazon discounts stuff. So blame us. Yep. Hey, don't oh, blame what, us. Though? I get some stuff off Amazon from independent stores on there. So I technically am supporting small businesses. Now that I think about it. Yeah, the third party ones on Amazon are small businesses. So actually, with an asterisk, I may be supporting them. Hmm. <laughs> there you go, man. I just got that. <laughs> hey, Pat, you're saying Barry Horowitz yourself. But I can't, dude. I'm getting old. I can't reach the back of my damn neck. <laughs> Who are you telling? <laughs> anyway, that does it for today. Next week, we'll, uh, well, actually, this Friday and then next week, we'll tell you what's coming up in December to wrap up the year. But uh, for now, that does it. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Yep. And we will see you this Friday with Clash of the Champions 9 and next Wednesday with Starcade 87, Shy Town. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike, and we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.